Hey all, and welcome to another episode of A Little Bit Unfiltered, a little bit of production. We're so glad you're back. I'm Sarah. And I'm Molly. And we're both your hosts and the co-founders of Little Bit Of, the Inclusive Lifestyle Collective. On this podcast, we take an unfiltered look into what happiness and success means for entrepreneurs, influencers, and changemakers, including ourselves. No Photoshop, Facetune, or filters here. Welcome back to A Little Bit Unfiltered. Welcome back, everyone, to the final episode of Season 1, Part 1. I think this is just going to be Season 1. Section 1? Section 1? I don't know. We don't even know. When we say that you're coming along on this journey with us, um, you're coming along on this journey with us as we figure it out. Um, But this is the final episode in our first installment. So if you've been binging the first season and you've been going one after another, welcome. If you have joined specifically for this episode and our very special guests, welcome to A Little Bit Unfiltered. Um, We are so glad you're here. This is... A very exciting episode for me. When we first started talking about this podcast and what we wanted it to look like and some of the guests that we wanted, these two women that we have on today were some of the first people that popped into my mind. I remember I was like, Molly, we have to have <laughs> Tammy and Kristen from She's the First on um, because if you know me at all, you know my... Obsession feels like a negative word, but I am very passionate about She's the First. And for those who don't know, She's the First is a global nonprofit based in New York City that works to address the education and gender equality gaps globally and works to empower women so that they can be educated, respected, and heard because education is such a key to so many of the issues worldwide. And a component of the nonprofit is their campus chapter program, which I had four wonderful years being a part of at George Washington University. And as we've mentioned in some previous episodes, I had the honor of serving as president of the GW chapter for two years. And um, fell in love with it immediately. I could have a whole podcast (laughs) on it, but we want to let Tammy and Kristen talk about it in our interview later on. But I found she's the first as a freshman in college, had no idea what I really wanted to do. But um, I remember I found them at a freshman org fair for anybody who wants PTSD from those (laughs) org fairs you went to in college when everybody was shoving flyers in your face. Um, That was me. I was on the receiving end of that and it worked. Um, And I joined a lot of groups my freshman year of college, but she's the first was the one that really, really stuck because as we talk about with Tammy and Kristen later on, she's the first does a great job of being intentional about their language because I think as we found this year in 2020, language is so important and it is so important to work with individuals in the nonprofit space rather than for or speaking for people. And I fell in love with the mission of the organization. And then I went to their yearly summit in New York City, where all the campus chapter leaders come together and they have all of these inspiring talks and speakers and things like that. And 
I don't think I met them my first year, but the second year I went, it was a smaller group. And I remember I was so nervous because the entire time I wanted to speak to Tammy and Kristen, the co-founders, the CEO and CPO. Um, But I remember I was so nervous to meet them because when you admire someone, you sort of build them up in your head. And Tammy and Kristen are what I imagined and more. They were so kind. And I remember at the time I wanted to pitch a fashion show idea that I needed help with. And they both, I asked for time during the day and they were like, how about now? Let's step aside now. And just made a very welcoming environment for me to talk to them and just they were so much more accessible than I thought because I think for so long when you think of people in leadership positions, you think of these inaccessible, unkind, um, power-hungry people. And um, I think that was just such an empowering experience to realize that's what a woman in leadership could look like and should look like. And since then, both have been endless sources of inspiration for me. And um, Tammy even connected me with the Her Campus graduation earlier this year where I was a speaker. um, And that experience changed my whole life. So for so many reasons, I am indebted to both of these women and have looked up to them for so long. Um, And so today is a very, very special day. and Molly has heard me talk about she's the first so much um, because we first started working together um, my senior year of college when I was finishing up my tenure and she's the first. But part of the reason we wanted them on today, um, aside from the fact that I love how they lead she's the first and how they work as women in business and in the nonprofit sphere and all of the wonderful work they do, um, I think both of these women do a really great job of balancing being a leader, but also being very vulnerable and open and accessible and that there's room at the top for everyone and really open up about all of their experiences. As we'll talk about later, they just released a book in November called Impact. And one of the amazing things is that all of the proceeds from the book go back to She's the First. But the other amazing thing about it is it makes creating impact, for lack of a better term, so accessible and sort of opens up these sort of tricks of the trade or things that have worked for them. And I think that is so incredible that um, we now have an opportunity to learn from these two brilliant women um, and throughout the process and throughout the publishing process and before the book came into being, um, both Tammy and Kristen were really open about their journey through publishing and how it's not always perfect and how your first idea isn't always the one that sticks. And um, I remember that was something that I really wanted to talk to them about. So we're really excited to have them on the podcast today. Um, yeah. I do want to like tag team a little here because I think that something that's really important that you've just been like talking, I've been listening to you speak about them is um, we relate to them so much in what we want to be and how we want to be as we grow a little bit of and the ALBU podcast. Um, You were talking about how they're so accessible. That's something that we really strive for, how they're very intentional about their language, which since the beginning, we've been saying the same thing. We want to be very intentional about every decision um, and every piece that we put out and very um, just intentional 
the same with how we don't want to speak for people, which is why we created a little bit of DACO to give a platform for others to speak for themselves. So I really love like everything you're saying and it's exactly what our goal sort of is. So we definitely look up to them a lot and hope to one day be able to grow to their magnitude and um, hopefully even partner with them in the future and more. But yeah, I just wanted to add that in. Yes, I love that. And it was a really special interview, too, because like I've said a lot, I talked to Molly a lot about how she's the first has changed my life. And it was really special to share this part of my world with her. And this was actually our first guest interview. Um, It's the last episode of the series, but this was the first um, guest interview. And I think we both really enjoyed it, and it was not without technical difficulties, as 2020 um, has taught us, and hopefully (laughs) 2021 will. Yeah, but that just shows how great they are, that they just rolled with the punches with us, and we're still getting the hang of all the technology and everything, and they, when our Zoom call dropped, they were ready to just hop back on another one and keep going, which... I really love and I think that is just what makes them such great founders that they're always going to remain like down to earth and accessible. We use that word, but that's just like what's so awesome about them. And of course, before this podcast, I didn't know anything about them. I hadn't interacted with them in the past at all. And just getting to see Sarah's relationship with them and how um, much that you could tell that they were so proud of Sarah just made me like so happy. So I'm just really excited for you guys to also get to see that relationship. Yes, I'm already going to start crying again. Anytime I talk about She's the First or talk about them. Um, I know, we have to like stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, um, without further ado, here is our interview with She's the First founders and Impact authors, Tammy Tibbetts and Kristen Brandt. Today, we are so lucky to be joined by Tammy Tibbetts and Kristen Brandt, the co-founders of the global nonprofit She's the First, which turned 11 this past October, and the authors of Impact, a step-by-step plan to create the world you want to live in, which was released in November. Tammy and Kristen, welcome to A Little Bit Unfiltered. Thanks Thank for you. We're so excited you're here, and we just told our listeners a little bit about She's the First and my history with this incredible organization, but we'd love for you to both introduce yourself and STF for all of us. Sure. Well, we're so thrilled to be here, Sarah, because we're incredibly proud of you as an alum. Uh, I'm Tammy Tibbetts. I'm the co-founder and CEO of She's the First, and Kristen. And I'm Kristen Brandt, and I'm the co-founder and chief programs officer at Choose the First. And as you heard, we're both the co-authors of the new book, Impact. Yes, congratulations on such a successful launch. It was really awesome to watch from my Instagram screen. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Launching a book in the middle of a pandemic was definitely uh, an exercise in tackling the unknown. Yes, absolutely. Um, And we're definitely excited to hear a little bit more about that process. But I think maybe we want to start way back at the beginning, if Molly, you want to kick it off. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd love to start by having you tell our listeners about your origin story as business partners. So Tammy and I met actually through a scholarship program more than a decade ago, and we both won the same scholarship 
Tammy wanted a few years before I did. And so we met because as an alum of this program, Tammy came back to help with new scholarship winners and escort them around New York City. We actually started the day by going to the Today Show and ending the day by going to the Matrix Awards, which is this huge awards show for women in, in the communications field. And so we met because we both had this incredible opportunity to not only get money for college, which we both you know, needed, but also to meet these incredible women in the communications industry, which we thought we would be going into for the rest of our lives. But as it turns out, the, the most important person we met that day actually ended up being one another. And so a few years after that, we met in, I guess, 2007. And it was in 2009 when Tammy first started posting on Facebook about this idea that she had for a media campaign. And at the time I was still in college, Tammy was just out and we were both kind of developing our own interest in girls' education and girls' rights independent from one another. But when she started posting about this idea for a media campaign, I immediately messaged her and was like, yes, me, please. I would love to do this with you. And as I was the only other person who messaged her, we, uh, we launched into what would become She's the First. And that's how we got started. Yeah, we were essentially both of your ages. And uh, one of the things that I love about you both is you're always talking about how you're building your empire. Kristen and I weren't thinking that way. We were just mm -hmm. thinking, you know, one small idea, one small step at a time. And it turns out that it led us on this journey of launching a social media campaign back in 2009 that just happened to become this robust, multifaceted global organization with now a book that shows others how they can similarly find what it is that lights them up and do something meaningful in the world. Oh, that is so inspiring. And I love how your journey started on the Today Show. And then you were invited back to the Today Show with Michelle Obama's Global Girls campaign, which I believe is under a new name now, but it's definitely a great full circle moment. Um, as you were starting off and transitioning into She's the First, what was one of the biggest risks you had to take when you first started? Or is there a bigger risk that you took since then? I think we both realized in those early days that the risks actually weren't that big for either of us because we were young, single women. We weren't supporting family members. We were, I mean, honestly, highly accomplished <laughs> professionals in the magazine industry. We had won the scholarship as college students. Um, we had, because of that scholarship and the network it gave us of mentors, I would I would say we had pretty good job security in terms of if we quit our jobs for She's the First and it didn't work out, we felt confident we would get hired again. And of course, that's not to say it wasn't scary because um, when you tell all your friends and everyone you know that you're, you're leaving this glamorous job to go do something they've never heard of, uh, you don't want to fail. Like nobody wants to look like a failure in front of their friends. So of course, there's, there's always some anxiety. But when we took a step back, and thought really practically about it, we knew we were in um, a position of privilege to be able to take this risk um, and still be able to support ourselves if it, if it didn't work out. There was always gonna be a plan B for us. And we knew that for the girls that we wanted to serve, 
that was not the case. There was no plan B. If, if they were not getting access to an education, if they didn't have mentors, if they didn't have quality programs in their life to support their dreams, then they were just going to be doomed to a life of poverty in which they didn't have any of the choices that we did. Yeah, that's definitely so true. What about you, Kristen? Anything come to mind? I think that is kind of the the biggest leap that we think of when we when we talk about risks that that we took because you know we we did feel confident in in our ability to grow shoes the first i think also because we had been spending so much time working on shoes the first before work during work after work on the weekends so we knew that we had something um but it's still it is scary and you know we we had a certain amount of time, at least for me, to pull it off financially speaking. And I think one of the interesting things about that is it seems like when you leave your job, particularly as a woman, when you leave your job to work at or to start a nonprofit, like the the adjective that gets associated with that is this kind of like, oh, that's, that's cute. That's nice. Um, but whenever a dude leaves his like bro job to go start a new startup that no one understands what it does. It's like, oh, that's so cool. How brave, how innovative. And, you know, I think it's just, um, it's just interesting kind of the way that that decision was, was met or the tone that people had when we told them what we were doing in a way that has made us really conscious of the way that people talk about not just the two of, of us, but more broadly about She's the First and being really careful to make sure that when we talk about She's the First and we talk about the girls associated with She's the First, that we don't use language that is feminized or diminutive in, in any way, right? It's not, it's not cute to be a girl. Um, the challenges that girls are facing all around the world from you know, age four all the way up to age 40, they're not cute. Um, they're actually they're actually quite difficult in in many circumstances, and so that's been one of the one of the language pieces we've been working on a lot as we've taken this journey over the last decade. Mm-hmm. And the language piece of She's the First was personally one of my favorite things. And in our campus chapter at GW, we talked about it all the time. And I think that's one of the reasons that I doubled down on spending a lot of time with the organization was after a general body meeting where we went over the new language. And that was really intentional. And I think that's something that you don't see as often as I think we all would like in the nonprofit space and that it's very it's very centered around that hero narrative that you both talk about so much that um, it's not, you're not going out and saving anyone. And it goes back to that idea, that diminutive language that I think is so, so important. And I know we had a couple questions about that language and that idea of charity. Yeah. And that, you know, it's not just, it's not just diminutive language. It's, it's colonial language as well. There's, there are a lot of, um, various kind of structures and frameworks that you can look at the way that we approach nonprofits and charity and impact work in the world. And a lot of it is centered on this idea that the person who is donating, the person who is volunteering, they're in the position of saving. And the person who is in the receiving position, they are the victim, 
and it, it creates these these narratives that you're saying, Sarah, the the hero narratives, where it just kind of takes away the agency of the person who's in that recipient position. But actually, they're the one who has to do the vast majority of work if we're all going to work toward this world that we want to see in this world that we want to achieve. So we really like the language associated with mutual aid groups, which is this idea that we all give what we can give. We do our part in order to achieve an outcome together. You take what you need, you give what you can. And when you look at the language of, of She's the First, we hope that you feel some of that there as well. Because what we work to acknowledge is that girls themselves have the most difficult job out of all of us in order to arrive at that vision of a world that we're all working toward. And that is valuable, right? It's They might not be putting the money into it, but they're putting the work into it. And that's just as necessary as the donations are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the language around social change, like as you mentioned, it is so important and so intentional that it can be intimidating to people who are just starting to get their feet wet in this space uh, and they're afraid of doing the wrong thing or saying the wrong thing. Um, and as a result, they, they hold back. And we always, we, we touch on this in the book, but we always like to remind people that um, this is a journey. You know, when we started out on the journey, we did not use the, the language we do today. Um, we learned and we're always doing better. And everyone has that potential to always do better. The important thing is to to listen and recognize when you do realize, oh, um, if I avoid calling an organization a charity and instead um, call it an an NGO, for example, because charity conveys this idea of dependency, that, um, that is a better reflection of what nonprofits actually do in the world. And I can share with my friends in conversation about that. Um, So when when you do realize in retrospect that maybe you've been using language that isn't so empowering, um, don't don't feel ashamed about that or bad about it. Um, Stay focused on the fact that every, every day is a chance to do better and to share with others what you've learned. Yeah, that's something that Sarah and I talk about all the time, how we want to be really mindful about how we're speaking and then not be hard on ourselves when maybe we say something that isn't what we meant. And then we can just go back and be like, that isn't what our intentions are. We can really relook at our wording and then go move forward in a more mindful manner. So I love that you said that because it is always a process and just relearning and unlearning um, past biases and things like that and then moving forward. Yeah, and we talk about this is important, not not just with your own journey and giving yourself grace, but also extending grace when you can, inviting others to be part of the journey with you. Um, Tammy and I are very strong believers that the only way we arrive at this better world that we're working toward is to invite others on the journey. And, you know, if someone is saying something really hurtful or problematic, that's something that does often need to be called out. But if someone shares your same values, somebody is working for the same things that you are, and they happen to use an outdated term or something that we've come to understand could be said better or differently, invite them to learn with you rather than shooting them down or or talking down to them. I think just giving people more grace to learn and to grow together is going to allow all of us to, to arrive at a better place together. 
Yeah, definitely. The phrase um, Sarah and I have been using is calling people in instead of calling people out. It's something that we sort of have just loved. I know Sarah mentioned it to me yesterday and it's um, a fun way to like think about it. Yeah. And that's something that was actually coined by Black feminists. And that I think is a really important point, you know, that there there's a framework for this that has been developed for us yeah. that we can we can call upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So we did want to switch gears a little bit and have you tell us about Impact. What inspired you to write it? So after 11 years of reading She's the First, Kristen and I, of course, have been asked many, many times by others, you know, how, how can I contribute? How can I make a difference? And we didn't have, one, the time to answer everyone who was in our inbox, but two, there wasn't one easy answer we could give to everyone. It is such a customized answer based on who you are as a unique individual with special gifts and talents and different circumstances. So we wanted to write a book that would lead anyone who finds it on a journey of discovering their North Star, what is that world that they want to live in, and then work backwards on understanding what they could contribute and how they could plug into existing movements and organizations. That's awesome. And I know you shared your stories of previous rejection in the publishing space on Instagram. Can you let our listeners know about your journey to impact as the physical book itself? Yeah. So Tammy and I, because we came from the journalism world and we've always been passionate about writing individually, our book was always a thing that we would half joke about, but also have seriously knew that we wanted to do one day to the point where we actually had a folder, a secret folder, literally called top secret on Google drive that we would keep like names of chapters just to remind ourselves later what we wanted to talk about. And it was coming up on the 10th anniversary of she's the first when we decided that this would be a good time. And we went through a few different ideas for what we wanted the book to look like, one of which was very much the origin story of She's the First and how She's the First came about. That was universally rejected because (laughs) it was too inside baseball. It was the kind of book that if you loved She's the First or you loved NGOs, it would be really interesting and probably no one else would care. And so (laughs) we learned really quickly that we needed to go back and kind of look at what are the lessons that are more broadly applicable to the general public? What are the things that we can share that, that is going to be, forgive the pun, but particularly impactful? And we actually, for, for a minute, we almost wrote a book about our own relationship as co-founders because so few co-founder relationships actually make it and, and stand the test of time. And as much as, as much as we adore each other though, when we, when we really thought about what we want to be talking about in three years or five years from now, what can we share that we're still going to want to be standing on stages and sharing information about, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily our relationship. It was something that was going to help create that world that we believe in, that we want to see. And so that's where we landed on impact was coming back to you. Tammy mentioned this question that people keep coming to us with this idea of, you know, what can I do to help? How can I also create a change? How can I make a difference? And we realized that if we use some of the frameworks available to us from the nonprofit, from the NGO world, 
we can actually shift those and create a framework for individuals to think about how they create change over time. And so that's actually what impact is. It takes some of the ideas and frameworks from the organizational world and recreates them for the individual to be able to think about their own change in their own lives in the world. Mm. That's incredible. I have, um, I've been waiting to buy it for so long um, because this is going up after Christmas, but it's on my Christmas list. I told my parents, I was like, if there's any one thing, that's it. (laughs) And I absolutely love the yellow color. Molly knows this, that like yellow is my color of 2020 to try to bring a little lightness in. And I think that's carrying over into 2021 for sure. Hey all, it's Sarah, and I'm so excited to talk to you a little bit about Anchor, which is the free platform that Molly and I use to create a little bit unfiltered. And we love using Anchor because we're novices at this, and Anchor gives you creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And it also distributes your podcast for you on Spotify, Apple, and many other places with just one touch of a button. And you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So basically, it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. If you're interested in making your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome back. (laughs) Hello, we're back. That's a fun little wrinkle. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no worries. So speaking of fun technological um, unexpectancies, can you tell us a little bit about writing a book in a pandemic, p- publishing a book in a pandemic, a, sort of the year of unexpected twists <laughs> oh, and turns, gosh. so to speak? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Where do I begin? Well, I guess the, <laughs> the hardest part with publishing a book during the pandemic was probably that in our day jobs, there was a crisis to deal with um, and how just nonprofits at large were seeing fewer donations due to the economic repercussions. Um, Girls specifically, and I think we'll talk more about this, um, were affected in such negative ways with schools being shut down around the world. So I think it was triaging all of that um, increased our workload while she's the first also had less resources. um, And that made it much harder for us to fight for the time to get our final revisions in and coordinate our publicity plan. Um, The book itself, I mean, was never more needed. I think as people, and it was also contending with the election season, you know, everyone is very hungry for change and a better 2021. So I think that gave us a positive momentum in, in motivating us that this is a book that the world needs right now. It didn't, Kristen said, it's not like we're writing a book about pizza. <laughs> it was something that was directly relevant to the times we're living in. Um, so that kept us going, but it was definitely, you know, we were already doing this with a full-time, very, more than full-time job. And it, it became really challenging to, to get it out there. With, from a time management perspective. Yeah, and one of the nerve-wracking pieces was that we actually, our final, our final, final edits were due at the end of March. And so in New York, you know, COVID became real right around March 11th or, or 12th, right? That's when everyone stopped going to work and stopped using the subways and started working from home. And so we, you know, that week were 
staring at this manuscript trying to figure out, you know, how much do we need to change? And the lucky thing is that we wrote about resilience, we wrote about community, and all of these things that we wrote about in 2019, having no idea what would come in 2020, still held up, and in fact held up well enough that we ourselves returned to some of that advice that we got from other change makers and some of the other frameworks that we developed. Um, and so sitting kind of through April, May, June, wondering, making sure that it was all still going to feel right, was nerve-wracking, but by the time it came out, we really do believe that impact is more relevant than than ever, to Tammy's point. I think that's definitely very accurate. It sort of is weirdly prescient of what came to turn this year, um, so definitely sort of a timeless piece for sure. So I'm excited to see how people are reading it for years to come. What has been the most challenging part about running a nonprofit during the pandemic? We talked a little bit about launching the book, but what about um, running your nonprofit? So we knew that prior to COVID, we had 130 million girls who were out of school. We knew that every seven seconds, a girl under the age of 15 was getting married. We knew that globally, girls spent 40% more time doing chores than boys. And that's prior to all of these schools shutting down. And we know anecdotally and through some early evidence that there are increases happening in teenage pregnancy. There are increases happening in child marriage. Girls are taking on more responsibility at home. And it was the Malala Fund has suggested that up to 20 million more girls on top of that 130 million who are already out of school might not ever return. And so for us and for our network of partners all around the world, we're really looking at a crisis that wouldn't just interrupt progress, but would actually set back the progress that She's the First and so many other organizations have made over the last two to three decades. And that is a, a kind of insane situation to, to contemplate, particularly when you've been working in the girl space over the last you know, 10 to 20 years, things have been getting better and better. We've been able to report better and better outcomes. And so for us, a lot of a lot of you know pandemic memes kind of started coming through about you need to let yourself relax and give yourself some grace because you're working in the middle of a pandemic and all of that is true like for your mental health you need to be able to balance what you're doing for work and what you're what you're making space for in your in your everyday life but in a lot of ways Tammy and I didn't have that outlet because we knew that the work that we were doing wasn't about keeping a company afloat. The work that we were doing was making sure that girls had some kind of safety net between them and never returning to school or between them and their families not having enough food to eat or between them and an early marriage. And so we spent a lot of time working with partners, developing tools, um, connecting partners with one another and with resources to try and figure out how can we mitigate some of these impacts on girls. Um, so it's been, it's been a really intense year at She's the First, but the good news is that so far among our partner organizations, they haven't been seeing large drops. Um, there have been some instances of child marriage and, and increased child responsibilities and labor, but it's looking like as schools start to reopen, there's, there's a lot of hope there. 
And we're seeing that the pandemic is giving organizations a great excuse to fight for the technology and the programming that girls deserve to have all along. But because we're in a crisis where they can't be in school settings, now it feels justified to funders to fund, for example, iPads or computers or laptops. And so we are seeing that there are some places where girls are getting access to technology that they should have had all along. And that allows them to actually show the difference that happens when girls have equal access to the internet and to technology. Um, and so I think one positive kind of outcome of all of this is that I wouldn't be surprised if we saw in the international development space a much heavier push for technology and for a right to internet in the years to come, just seeing the difference that that makes in a child's ability to excel and to, to survive and to thrive through situations like a pandemic. And I think you kind of just touched on it, but is there something in 2021 that you're looking forward to in this space, whether with She's the First or Impact or both? And what can our listeners do to get involved with that and make some of these hopeful um, ideas a reality? Yeah, well, you know, this year, like many of your listeners, I've been watching more TV. I turn on the news in the morning while I'm having my breakfast and in the evening because I have nowhere else to go. And every time this year, I cannot think of one time this year where there was a story on the news about how women and girls globally have been impacted by the pandemic. Um, and of course, I understand that U.S. news would be reporting on the crisis in America and how our communities, um, especially poor communities, black and brown communities, have been so devastated by the pandemic as well. Um, and that's not to replace those stories, but it is time in 2021 for some at additional attention to go to the global repercussions of the pandemic, because we're not, as a humanity, we are not going to defeat this virus unless everyone everywhere has access to the vaccine and is safe from it. Uh, we're both really we're both really excited uh, for a new administration with um, President Biden and, and Vice President Harris, are, they are going to prioritize women and girls domestically and globally in their work. So we're looking forward to maybe what it was like in the days when Michelle Obama was championing girls' education from the White House. Um, and for everyday people, we hope that you know, they're starting their year off creating impact plans and being thoughtful about how they can be more engaged in their own communities as well as uh, a goal they'd like to set for global impact. And if that includes impacting girls and advocating for their rights globally, we would invite them to join you as a supporter of She's the First. And um, there are many ways to do that, starting with just following us on social media and sharing the stories and girls' voices directly, which we post all the time. And if you have as little as $5 a month to contribute, please, please, please sign up for our front row, which is our monthly giving community. It is 340 members strong. And this is the way that you can remain like on the front lines of what She's the First does. And please be assured that even if you can only give a few dollars for a nonprofit to know that they can count on that every month throughout the year, is invaluable. So whether it's to She's the First or another organization, 
please consider choosing one to become a monthly donor too. That's awesome. And we could absolutely talk to you for hours and hours about education and gender equality and making impact. But um, in the interest of your busy schedules, um, we would love to sort of end on a note of where can our listeners find you if they want to connect and follow your wisdom? Because I know I'm constantly inspired by your online presences and the talks and podcasts you do aside from ours. Yeah, so we are at CJ Brandt and at Tammy Tibbetts on pretty much all social platforms. And we're talking about the book by using the hashtag impact book. Wonderful. And if you get impact, make sure to get it from a local bookstore, um, but also leave reviews on Amazon for sure. <laughs> um, we will be doing that ourselves. <laughs> Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you, Tammy and Kristen, so much. It was so lovely talking to you about all of this. And I'm sure this is not the last time we will be talking about the urgent need to support women and girls globally. Thank you, Sarah and Molly. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Have a great day and stay safe. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. 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 So that was incredibly inspiring. And I know, I feel like we're going to need to debrief after this. Um, I'm like so ready to listen back to the podcast as a listener, uh, because I talk about Tammy and Kristen all the time and how wise they are. And I think how much wisdom they've shared with us today, but also in general. And like you said, at the top of this podcast, I think they're definitely something... um, we aspire to attain one day that um, definitely that partnership and accessibility mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely um they're definitely exactly what we like look up to and it's honestly so great that they just exist as people because then we are able to see exactly what we want to be and how we want to be and i love that like having a role model is just i think so important to like young women and even to us like it's always so important to have a role model and of course like before this episode i didn't know much about them um like i said in the intro but just seeing them more just shows how like awesome and amazing um people can be and how you can really like make a career for yourself and still be nice which i love Mm -hmm. like you don't need to step on people to get where you want to go which is really awesome and just warms my heart that makes me think of there's that quote about like don't meet your heroes or something like that like because if you meet your heroes they're always going to be a letdown um yeah And I think um, sometimes that can be hit or miss with people, but I think every time I talk to Tammy and Kristen and they are my role models and things like that, it's just, it always, it is really reaffirming in that you can collaborate instead of compete with others. And Mm -hmm. I've learned so much from them. And um, even if it is that term that we talked about in the interview about calling in, which um, Kristen didn't coin, but she mm-hmm. used at a summit. And I remember, um, I remember that did sort of change my perspective on a lot. And yeah, um, no, I, I remember you introducing me to that term and n- like knowing it wasn't that you didn't coin it, but then I've just like loved using it. And I love that we got to bring it up again in like that podcast 
that seems spot on because I think, um, I think I'm always learning in this space, and I think that's something that she's the first. I think we really all mm-hmm. are. We're all, all like always learning, um, and probably them too. They'd probably say the same thing that they feel like they're always learning, um, even like as a old women woman you're probably still learning like learning something at least so that's kind of hopefully the goal um yeah because i know my personal journey with activism i sort of joked about this um in a lot of my interviews that were in the activism space but growing up in vermont it's not really the (laughs) it's not like a hotbed of politics and like yes it's a very um liberal-minded state and very activism-oriented, but I grew up in the Catholic school system, which was great. It was small. I made some friends for life there, but I think there is a lot of, like, mission trips and things like that that aren't exactly um, service-minded. It's not exactly the goal that you want to get out of service. It's very much playing into that hero narrative that we talked about with Tammy and Kristen. And I think that was how I viewed activism a lot growing up is that you are the hero when you serve others and it's this good thing for you and you're helping others. And I remember there was a summit for She's the First where they were talking about getting away from using the word helping. I wish I could remember the name of the speaker that was talking about it, but it's how helping others puts you in that hero position that you are doing something for others that they are benefiting from you um whereas serving with others has this idea of collaboration and that you're not better than someone else because you are working with them you know and um i think that was something that i felt really grateful for with the way she's the first approached it and constantly growing because they've changed their language a few times since i started um being a campus chapter member and yeah I think it is that idea of it's okay to admit that you can improve and that there are always or that or if you were wrong mm-hmm. like it's okay to admit if you were just blatantly wrong mm-hmm. because I mean you were talking about growing up in Vermont and I'm the same way I grew up in Connecticut and yes we always vote blue and whatever you know and I grew up just in that mindset like okay like we generally vote liberal and that's what my parents agree with and that's what I agree with and like it's all good and then as I like went away to college and started really like learning more I realized that was just wrong (laughs) it was just blatantly wrong and I think that's like really good to admit like it doesn't you might think something at one point in your life and then it's just can be wrong and you can accept that it's wrong and take that responsibility and make a change. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that could be a whole other podcast and probably will at some well, point. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I'm sure there's going to be moments with even us in little bit of where we say things that are just wrong or we have to change our narrative because we look back on it and we're like, that's not what we were intending. That's not what we meant. And we need to change sort of our language. And you mentioned that she's the first has changed their language a few times. And I think that's how every business should be run, every organization, um, every nonprofit, just like reevaluating, like, is this what we're trying to say? Is there, is this maybe intentionally, unintentionally, not intentionally, (laughs) just cut that. Is this maybe, (laughs) is this maybe unintentionally hurting someone or bringing someone down um, or just 
like offensive Mm -hmm. or just like plain ignorant anything like that um yeah because we talk about this a lot that we recognize our positions of privilege in this space and um absolutely a lot of spaces are privilege and i think constantly assessing whether this whether things that you say or service or hmm, whether things that you say or endeavors that you pursue are just reinforcing your privilege or reinforcing stereotypes that you've come to know and support through your privilege. Um, I think it's just always important to recognize that and just do better the next time and see it. And that doesn't excuse because on some levels, um, sitting in your privilege can be dangerous. So trying to avoid instances that do that but if it's a time where you can learn and can grow really leaning into that well we really hope you enjoyed this episode um, and we really hope you enjoyed hearing from tammy and kristen um hopefully well maybe sometimes we'll have them back mm-hmm. to talk about something else maybe i don't know um but they're really great and we're very thankful and grateful that they will be able to make time for us and be on the podcast um especially like through the holidays that was amazing of them mm-hmm. I don't know if, Sarah, you want to finish us off? Sure. Well, I think this was definitely a fun way to cap off our first season. Um, We're so glad that you've gone on this mini journey with us, whether it's this episode or all five. And we will be seeing you very, very soon. Hopefully, um, if you're listening to this on the day it's released, we will be seeing you in a week. Um, If not, um, and you're listening in a binge mode, just click down to the next episode and start season two. But wherever you're joining us on this episode, I keep saying journey. I feel like I'm on The Bachelor. Um, <laughs> as you join us on this. Oh, we wish. We yeah. wish. <laughs> I've almost filled out an application five times, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Should we do one on the podcast? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Foreshadowing? Potentially. Um, but thank you for coming on this, um, listening to our podcast and coming on this journey with us. And... We'll see. <laughs> Says it again. <laughs> I just can't. We should have like a journey jar every time I say the word journey. Um, and that'll oh, go yeah. to our fund. But um, check out ways to get involved. Please rate and review if you're on Apple Podcasts. Send this to a friend if you think it might resonate with them. And let us know what you want to see from us in the future. Um, now that we'll be turning out episodes weekly. We really want to hear from you and what you want to hear from us. And if there's someone that you think is doing a great job of exemplifying what it means to be unfiltered, send us their information. We'd love to have them on. Um, And we're constantly looking for new perspectives to learn from and new people to learn from. It can also always be you. Yes. Like, if you want to be on the podcast, let us know. Yeah, 2021. We We would really love to have you. It can be the year of shameless self-promoting. So we'd love to have you on. 100%. (laughs) All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of A Little Bit Unfiltered, A Little Bit of Production. You can find us everywhere at ALBU Podcast. We hope we earned the privilege of your time and we'll see you back here. Same time next Monday. Bye.